This episode of Control Alt Delete is brought to you by Mr. Robot. Uh, which is actually an excellent show. On July 13th, Mr. Robot returns to USA Network for its second season. Hailed by Rolling Stone as the number one show of 2015 and named Best Drama by the Golden Globe and Critics' Choice Awards, Mr. Robot follows a cybersecurity engineer who is recruited by the mysterious leader of an underground group determined to bring down the world's largest corporation. When their hack is a success, the consequences are far greater than they imagined. Starring Rami Malek and Christian Slater, Mr. Robot returns Wednesday, July 13th at 10 Eastern, 9 Central, only on USA Network. Hello, and welcome to Control Alt Delete, the podcast with more skeuomorphism. That intro comes from Christopher Perrins on Twitter. He's at Chris Perrins. Thank you. We love your intros. I'm Neil Patel. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Verge. I'm joined, as always, my friend, Verge executive editor, co-founder of Recode, Walt Mossberg. Hey, Walt. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going great. I mean, uh, we're being sponsored by Mr. Robot. How could I not like that, you know? <laughs> and, great. We're ske- and we're skeuomorphic, more skeuomorphic even. Yeah, I do actually in digital form represent an analog uh, reality. You do. That's you how do. I feel about myself. It's true. We got a, we got a show here. There's, we're going to get in some heated stuff on this show today. We got a couple of so. things to talk about. Um, uh, but what's interesting to me is that we came off the big – the big wave of tech news uh, for the past few months, right? All the big companies had their developer conferences. We talked about it. And it feels like we should be in a lull. Um, but I don't think we are. I think there, it's actually a period of high interest. We kind of know what everyone's going to do. We know what all the moves are going to be. There's The stuff is starting to come out. Uh Dieter ran a preview of Mac OS Sierra. It's no longer OS ten. Mac OS Sierra today. The the developers got their hands on a bunch of stuff. It's actually a really interesting period in tech, and there's stuff to talk about and rumors to talk about. So I want to start with stuff because you All reviewed right. a product this week that I that actually, actually think, exists and it's on actually the market. exists. Um, <laughs> I, I went um, Paul and Ashley, who are on our Circuit Breaker team. We took a field trip to Best Buy yesterday, just to, like look at gadgets, yeah, uh, and see how people. I are do that with every them. once in a while. It's a good uh, idea. It was fun. We got like recognized. There was like Verge fans came and talked to us. It was fun. Sure. Um, and this product, the HP Spectre 13, is actually in Best Buy. It um, is. And that is, it's almost a rare thing for us to talk about something you can go out and actually buy. Uh, but this is HP's big flashy attempt. They, they broke up the company. There's HP Inc. They're the hardware company. Uh, this thing looks like you should only use it in a nightclub. It's got like gold hinges. <laughs> Uh, it's a beautiful laptop. Copper. They call it copper. Copper. Uh, it's a beautiful laptop, and you reviewed it this week. So what would you think? I did. Well, um, first of all, we should we should point out that they are unapologetically, unashamedly uh, uh, saying what all the Windows laptop makers have been saying for six years now at least, which is we have to find out – find some way to compete with the MacBook Air – Mm-hmm. And in their seriously, and and in their case, uh, also the new smaller uh, and thinner MacBook. And uh, you know, they, there's comparison charts. Not to not to like they have various comparison charts they give to reviewers like us, as you know. I don't know how many of the listeners know that. And they're often labeled laptop A, laptop B. But there's charts in this thing that. That just say MacBook Air, MacBook, <laughs> HP Spectre, yeah. some other HP, I don't know, that I've never heard of. Um, basically, what I thought about it was 
They've managed to make what they say is the world's thinnest laptop. There's some value to that. It's actually it's a 13-inch screen, uh, not a 12-inch screen. And I, I thought it was a very clever feat of engineering for which and, and a pretty good design. I think I use the word gorgeous. I, I mean, I think it's very, very attractive. And those two things are, to their great credit, to take something that's 10 millimeters thick and put a Core i7 in it and make it, you know, look good and all of that is great. Yeah, it's it's stunning. Few laptops attract attention anymore. And this one we have in the office, everyone wanted to come play with it. Right. It's not like furniture. Yeah. And, you know, what Apple did with its latest laptop, the, the MacBook, the just plain pure MacBook, is it's 12 inches it's actually more portable. I mean, it's not quite as thin. It's 13 millimeters. I mean, it's like a 2.7 millimeter difference. I'm not sure. I had a hard time telling with them next to each other, but it weighs less. It weighs two pounds, and this one weighs 2.45 or something like that. And so I would I would say overall, they're both very portable. The MacBook is more portable because it's just a, it's a 12-inch thing and it weighs less. But Apple chose to use the, a, a much wimpier processor, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the Core M. Now, uh, Deed, our friend Dieter, who we always mention in the, in the podcast, uh, and others uh, are using this MacBook and finding that they can do 70%, 80% of everything they could do on a more powerful machine on it. And the trade-off is they can just throw it in their bag in a way that, I mean, it's just so much lighter and all of that. But uh, I think HP managed to do some amazing things in something that thin. One is the core, the full-blown core I, where you could do everything, you could do anything. I mean, you could real serious video editing and all that kind of stuff, which you really can't quite do. I mean, I I know some video editing can be done on this MacBook, but not to the same extent. Um, They have a keyboard with real key travel is my big personally my biggest problem with the macbook is that it has a very flat keyboard everyone says you get used to it uh but you get used to it is not as good as i was able to deal with it and 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 type normally on it instantly which is what is the case with the hp however there's a big big however here with this hp this is a premium device i mean they want to get into apple's space, which is the premium space. So this is not quite as expensive as Apple. Hard, no, hardly anyone is, but it's still uh, about $1,170 to start. And it has terrible battery life in my tests. I mean, yeah. they they a- Apple claims, I think, 10 hours on the MacBook and 12 hours on the MacBook Air. And um, our te- the Verge standard test and the Walt standard test, which are different, nevertheless, both show that Apple is about right that you can actually get about what apple claims that's not their claim uh, hp on the specter is claiming nine and three quarters hours and i did the following test and and by the way the hp people said that this was a fair test they did your test was bonkers to me but go ahead it's the hardest test but go ahead yeah but but i mean it's what people do people plausibly do this except I'm except for a few things so I turn off the power saving which I know people do not do but I do it because I like to see what just 
down to the metal what it can do uh, on on battery. I, t- I turn off the power saving. And by the way, I've done this with every Mac. It's not just or it's not and with every Lenovo and with every every other computer. Uh, so it's nothing special. I turn off the power saving. I turn up the screen to 100%. Every PC maker, including Apple, tends to do their tests at 50% screen. And I'm sure there are people out there that use 50% screen. And I'm sure that mm-hmm. not everybody uses 100. But my bet is people use somewhere between 50 and 100. And they use different brightnesses for different things. Uh, but that's what I do. So I do that. I leave Wi-Fi on. I'm collecting email in the background and Twitter tweets and things like that. And then what I did for this test, which is a new thing for me, uh, because you and I have talked about this and, you know, the world has changed. Instead of just – I used to play local media until the battery died. This time I streamed. I just played episodes of The West Wing, Mm -hmm. the first episode of The West uh, (laughs) – season of The West Wing. And I just – you know, Netflix has that autoplay and so it just played them. Yeah. Uh, until the battery died. And it was SD. I mean, this was not moving as many pixels because the West Wing was 1999. <laughs> this was SD. And, well, one of the greatest yeah. one of the greatest TV shows ever. And it died in about four and a half hours. So you didn't get that far into the West Wing? No. I uh, I didn't I think point. you even see President Bartlett about four and a half hours in. <laughs> yeah, he you, makes you like just... the one cameo. <laughs> Yeah, I know. No, you, I think you saw him a little more, but good point. Good West Wing. Good West Wing knowledge there, Patel. I'm doing what Honestly. I can, man. You, you know, by the way, I have to plug. You know, there's a West Wing weekly podcast. Yes, there's a few. Uh, no, no, no. But there's one with Joshua Molina, the actor who was yeah. in the West Wing and a bunch of other Sorkin things, and then uh, another guy who is more of a music guy, but who loves the West Wing, and they are doing every week. They deconstruct one episode of The West Wing, and there are seven years of episodes. Oh, my God. It's like 150 episodes. So they're doing (laughs) every episode of The West Wing once a week, and I love the podcast. That's incredible. There's a plan. Uh, And and by the way, the guy at HP – Yeah. Who who, The executive at HP who I I talk to a lot for this review, he's also listens to that podcast. It's very strange. Uh, Anyway – it died at four and a half hours, and that is not good. Now, I know that because I have the screen at 100%, because I'm not taking advantage of the power-saving features, that I always I always in my comps say, you could probably get up to whatever. And I said, you could probably get six hours, you know, if you didn't do what I did. Right. Uh, and, but that's and nowhere just, near what people expect. Anyway. But that's nowhere near what people want. And, and the HP said, when I told them, I didn't have to, but I told them and asked them for their reaction. They said, well, if you had been using the Windows 10 app for Netflix, because I was using – but I was using it in – to be fair, in Microsoft Edge, which has lately been saying what a great uh, battery-saving browser it is compared to Chrome. I just just used Microsoft Edge, which comes with the machine. I didn't – you know, I did download Chrome, but I wasn't using it. It wasn't running. And they said, and of course, if I – if I cut the screen to half brightness. But even best case scenario, you're looking at seven, right? It's That's still not, not right. you know, not when your competitor that you have all these charts about is getting 10 and 12 hours. And it's it's not what people expect. And I so just as Apple made a bunch of compromises, uh, uh, including not enough ports and uh, flat keyboard and, uh, you know, wimpier processor for thinness and weight, 
HP has made compromises here too. I mean, they fit as much battery as they could into something this thin. But when you make it thin, it's like we've discussed with phones. There's only so much battery you can, you can fit in. And I do think this is a very impressive engineering achievement. But the battery is a problem. <laughs> the, because there's the, the case is so thin, the thermals, it gets hot. Yeah. So the fans turn on way more than you want them to. And they blow really hot air. I was playing with, we have a review unit here in New York, and I was like, Dan, this thing is on my lap, and everything is hot uh, because the fans are blowing out very hot air. Even just, we just turned it on. We weren't even using it. Just footnote, you're referring to Dan Seifert. Dan Seifert. One of our excellent- If you listen to this show, eventually you'll know everybody on staff by first name. Everybody on the staff, yeah. The problem is that we have Uh, like five Chris's and 40 Lauren's, so that's going to be a mystery. (laughs) That's a problem, yeah. But uh, no, when I first got the unit, the fan was running pretty much all the time. Like I'd go, I'd turn on Slack and Facebook and- it would, boom, the fans would come on. Yeah. Uh, then they sent me a BIOS update. Not just me, but anybody who bought it, they sent a BIOS update out. And it was specifically intended to work on this fan issue. And the fan did, in fact, come on less often. But it's still, I'd be just doing almost nothing. I'm not even talking about this Netflix test. I mean, just doing almost nothing. And boom, the fans would come on. So, and, But that's you know, like, you know, that's the reason that Apple went with it. The- the smaller, less powerful, less hot processor and their tiny... And they have no fan. They They have no fan in that thing. Uh, But I want to talk... There's something that you brought up at the beginning of this review, the hardest choice they made. And I know there's other faults here. You talked about the trackpad being bad. Um, Every Windows PC in the world has struggled with this. One day they'll figure it out. Although it was a little bit... When I was playing with it, I thought it was a little bit better. No, no, no. It it took me 20 minutes to set up. Uh, but it's better than most Windows track pads. So, so they've come close. I think, I think it's, just, like, it's just too it's too small, actually. That it is very small. Um, but you noted this, which I think is the most important thing about right. this product. It is not a touchscreen. It doesn't flip around and turn into a tablet. It doesn't revolve. It, it doesn't yeah. fold up in some <laughs> crazy ass way. It's just a laptop. Right. Uh, and Windows PC makers have struggled to make just a laptop. They've chosen against it. They've not made just a laptop for a long time. It's been four years of two-in-one PCs being sort of a dominant mode uh, of all Windows laptops. Uh, And you point out the Dell XPS 13, which I would say is the other main contender for the title of sort of best Windows PC. Also, in many configurations, no touchscreen, no folding, just a laptop. Well, so, it doesn't – there's no configuration in which it folds, yeah. in which it's two to one, and there's three out of its four configurations in which it has no touchscreen. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, someone's going to tell me about the Surface Book, but I, I get it. Yeah, but the the two main PC OEMs, the big two of the big dominant ones, have decided their flagship products – are just laptops. Right. I should point out both these companies do make two-in-ones because the stores, you, you you know, Best Buy and other stores want them on the shelves and some customers buy them. But I will tell you that in my reporting over the last couple of years, talking to uh, PC OEMs when they're off the record, they have said that all of their research shows uh, that um, even though people think they want these two-in-ones – they tend, they don't they never use them that way. Yeah. They never flip them around and use because them Windows as a has giant, thick it's something tablet. good. Even this thing about downloading the Netflix app, that's great. I'm sure it would have performed better. 
it's not an intuitive thing to do on any PC, right? That's an intuitive thing to do on a mobile device or a tablet, perhaps. Right. But on a well, P- it's because they have these two. They have right. a tablet type operating system munged in, which was the problem with Windows Eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it was really an enormous problem, and they've kind of you know, uh, demoted it hugely in Windows 10, but it's still there. There still are two totally different kinds of apps in Windows 10. I didn't even get into that in this review, but I mean, if you're going to compare it to the Mac, and I have been critical, as you know, of some of the built-in apps that Apple has on uh, not just iOS, but Mac OS now, I suppose we're supposed to call it. (laughs) I'm happy to call it that. Um, The... Despite all that, I still think by just saying, look, we're a desktop operating system, we've really worked on this, we've honed it, so is Microsoft, frankly, for the desktop part. We're not – we have this thing called the iPhone. We have this other thing called the iPad. Those have a tablet or a mobile operating system that operates on 10-finger touch. It's not the same thing. I mean uh, some of the architecture is the same, but right. the UX is not the same. And we're not trying to confuse you by putting all of that in Macs. Right. And uh, so Macs don't sell as ma- – you know, Apple doesn't sell as many computers as Dell or HP. But it has outgrown the terrible PC market for 30 – out of the last 35 quarters. And it pretty much dominates the really expensive tier where you can make money. At at five and six hundred dollars and four hundred dollars, you can't make much money. Which right. is one reason HP and uh, other companies are trying to make these over a thousand dollar, we're as good as a Mac laptops. And I do. So think- I'm not. I am not a fan of these two in one things. And well, I got uh, a, I got a couple of reviews. I mean, you've been reviewing them now. Windows yeah. eight came out in 2011, 2012. and Windows eight. I think all of us can breathe. We can take a step back. We can admit. Windows 8, not Microsoft's finest moment. A, a, no. a, a somewhat confused product in many ways. Right. Windows 10, uh, in my experience with Windows 10, it's focused. It's good. You know, it, it's, it's, it's intentional in, a, in like a really good way. And I think it's an interesting operating system. So, well, it's it, intent is to rescue. Yeah. That's true. The company from Windows but 8. But it, it, it I feels mean, like it's there not was two no things Windows slammed 9. together the way Windows Well, it, it it still is. Yeah. But its intent is to say, hey, we're back to being the desktop. Right. We're back to being like Windows 7 only. We, and there really aren't that many improvements in the desktop aspect of it. Uh, it's basically whoosh, – you're back to the land. You land. You tried to swim to that other island, and you almost <laughs> and you drowned almost. But now you're back on land, and the trees are the trees are where you thought they were, and the hut is over here. And yes, it's true that there is some of the other stuff is over in the corner, but it's only over in the corner. You never have to go there. That's my summary of Windows 10. <laughs> A drowning man <laughs> desperately returning to her. Well, uh, anyway. Think about it. You reviewed the Lenovo Yoga, yeah. which was, the fr- this is uh, November 13th, 2012, so nearly four years ago. The first sort of great two-in-one, you know, rest the hopes of the industry on Windows 8. Uh, you're literally your headline in all things D. Yoga PC flips and bends, but as a tablet, it's clumsy. And you wrote, 
like a lot of competing Windows 8 laptops that can be converted in some way to lie flat like tablets, I found the Yoga 13 to be clumsy to use in tablet mode. It's more than twice as heavy as a weighty iPad, almost twice as thick. Then, uh, you know, many months later, uh, Dell XPS 12, which, by the way, I thought was a disaster of a product. But April 13, 2013, you review the Dell XPS 12. And by this point, and I, I, I say to you, dear <laughs> listener, it's when Walt is annoyed by something, it's, it's not hidden. He literally begins his review of the XPS 12 with... Welcome to another in our series of reviews on efforts by Windows PC makers to make laptops that are also tablets with very little success. I mean, it's it's just it was just this drumbeat that we're going to mash the tablet and the laptop together. We're, that is the future. We're, we're going to bring these products closer together. Uh, we've talked about it even recently in the context of Apple and the Mac and iOS and their they're, they're kind of dancing around each other, and they're adding keyboards and pens to the iPad. But what is, I think, now abundantly clear is that the form factor of a laptop is inherently good. And there's no reason to, like, totally mess with it, particularly when you're building a productivity device. So even something like the Surface, which is fundamentally a tablet, converts into something that looks much more like a laptop uh, when you want to use a productivity. Well, and, and most people uh, that I ever see using them are running Windows Desktop. I mean, it might as well be yeah. Windows Seven, but it's in this tablety form. You know, the, the hardware right. is in tablety form. But yeah, and then you see the iPad Pro, and to make it a productivity device, what they have to do? They had to add a keyboard to it that makes it act right. way more like a laptop. Like that's its. You know, you can you buy it, and the keyboard doesn't come with it. But who who is buying a Pro without a keyboard? I don't even see that happening. So it's. I think we've gone through four or five years of this. How do we, you know, tablets are the future. You know, how do we how do we sort of preserve the laptopness? And we're coming back to the consumer and the market has answered. And the answer is very clearly, we just really like laptops. Yeah. For Even if we functions. buy two in ones, we're not going to use them that way. And right. and here is like you said, a flagship uh like Dell's uh, flagship and uh it's it's I I don't feel as hostile to touch screens as I do to the flippiness and the two-in-one and the trying to be a tablet. I mean, Windows 10 and uh, Windows 8 both had reasonable built-in touch capability. It's not my favorite thing to keep reaching up to the screen and doing stuff, but it's all right. But this is really a pure clamshell laptop. The screen doesn't bend all the way 180, let alone flip around. <laughs> uh, I think it only does 120, and some purists are saying, "Oh, it needs to do 100 and I don't know, 32 or some some <laughs> ridiculous thing like that." It was fine, uh, yeah. and you know they even made special hinges with pistons in them and stuff like that. So I give them a lot of credit for that. The problem is just how thin can you get, and then try to jam in these kind of processors and say you're going to preserve battery life and that, it's, that the fans aren't going to run all the time. I, I think that's the problem. Right. And it, it's interesting to just see these companies pushing in different directions around how do you how do you get everything people want from a laptop, including power and battery life, and kind of arrive at wildly different trade-offs. And, and I think they're I, do- I love that single-port MacBook. The, yeah. the MacBook is a... And I actually like the keyboard. I I got used to it really fast. It, I felt really fast on it. But the lack of power, and this will lead us right into the next thing pretty well, the lack of ports, just, I can't, I can't use that thing yet. 
you know, it's it, it's not a realistic computer. Uh, for, honestly, for I have I have not bought one, and that yeah. the fact that you and I have not bought that is. I bought one for my wife. She loves it. Loves it. Can't get enough of it. But is your wife um, smart? If your wife's smarter than you, it's a huge. Uh, she's so much smarter than me. Yeah. It's, well, maybe uh, you know, it's a, it's a huge upgrade from her MacBook Air. Right. Right. She had this old MacBook Air. But here's the thing: I bought her all these accessories. You know, it's, it's USB C. It's got one port. I bought her all these accessories. I'm so worried she's going to be annoyed, and she just never uses them. It doesn't even occur to her. She just moved on and started. Pl- she used to charge her phone off it and her Fitbit off it and this all this other stuff, and she just just does it a different way. And I was like, "Does that bother you?" She's like, "Yeah, whatever." But the improvements over the Retina screen, the trackpad's nicer, blah blah blah. It's smaller. It's so tiny. She loves it. And then I actually Dieter bought a new one, and I inherited sort of his old one, which was sitting in the office, and I tried it for a few days, and I was like, "I can't." I honestly just can't get any work done on this thing. Well, the new one uh, is supposed to be, I don't know, 20% faster, but I'm going to wait a little and see what they do with it. I have said in one of those, uh, I think you have an, an old clip of mine, uh, actually in my last Wall Street Journal column uh, where I listed 20 products or something, and I said the MacBook Air was the best laptop ever made, yeah. and I do believe that. But that I, I'm open to the idea that I might go to one of these newer, thinner, smaller, lighter things because, in fact, they're doing that to try to get you to upgrade your laptop, which people haven't been doing, and t- and understanding that people want smaller devices. They're trying to make these things smaller without, without compromising too much. But here HP made a bunch of compromises that were one – level they would say they made no compromises but i think i think i think (laughs) the things they've done in making quote no compromises do compromise the thing and apple has made a bunch of more obvious compromises but but for instance for apple battery life is like sacrosanct so Mm -hmm. they will not do anything that will uh kill battery life and they and they don't like fans at apple i mean that's something they inherited from steve jobs but let's talk about ports, Neelai. Let's talk about ports. Uh, well, hold on. Let me read a quick ad, and then we'll come back and get into We'll get into ports. Right. I got a lot of thoughts about ports. Let me introduce you to our sponsor. Ministry of Supply is a menswear brand launched out of MIT. It launches a sponsor problem, that being menswear, it's stiff, restrictive, and uncomfortable. You can't move in it. With the lines between work and life blurring more and more, our everyday clothing needs to be able to do more. So they combine human-centric research, performance technology, and tailored design to create wear-to-work clothes like dress shirts and chinos that are as comfortable as they are capable. This means clothes like dress shirts and slacks that wick sweat, breathe, and stretch with their movements. Their Aviator 2 suit, for example, is so stretchy and breathable that I, again, remind people, this is ill-advised, but people have run marathons in this suit. And their Apollo dress shirt has NASA-invented fibers that regulate body temperature based on your surroundings. So visit ministryofsupply.com slash Walt and get 15% off your first purchase using code WALT15. That's ministryofsupply.com slash Walt and code WALT15. Or visit one of their stores in Boston, San Francisco, and coming soon, Washington, D.C. Just walk into the store, start yelling WALT15, and see what happens. So we're talking about the MacBook, and we're talking about the single port. And then the hot rumor, and it just keeps coming up, and it keeps coming up in well-sourced Wall Street Journal articles, so you have to believe it's it's not just nonsense. The hot rumor is that the, the iPhone due out in September will look substantially like the current iPhone. The big redesign is going to come next year on the iPhone's 10th anniversary. Right. Which makes sense. 
But this year, the major change to the iPhone is that they are going to remove the headphone port. And all audio, and the only port left on this thing will be the lightning jack. Now, I have to tell you, I think this is ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous on a number of reasons. Uh, I can get into them. But I will say it is totally in Apple's character to do this. They are well known for ditching I.O. They you know, got rid of the floppy drive and the optical drive. And the new MacBook has only one port. And it's a new port, USB-C. They got rid of the 30-pin connector on the iPhone. and went to. I mean, they just do this. Fine. But the headphone jack, in my opinion, is... It's so critical to how people perceive their devices and perceive how audio gets to their ears and to not have an audio jack that's compatible with the universe of billions of audio devices and say, we're going to make you buy either an adapter, which will, because it's Apple, will almost certainly cost $29, or new headphones is not, it's not consumer friendly and it's not innovative in the right way. It's innovative in a way which is this connector is 100 years old and we believe in digital audio and we're going to push everybody towards wireless or new headphones or whatever, but it's not friendly to how consumers are actually using their things. So I wrote a piece about it. It got a lot of reactions. I, I, maybe it's early. Maybe we're not going to do this. Maybe we're going to put the thing out and it's going to have a headphone jack and be totally wrong. That's what I hope. But it, in my opinion, losing the last open standard connector on the iPhone is definitely a mistake. Okay. So the first thing I want to say to our listeners, our loyal listeners, <laughs> is that your friend Eli and my friend Eli uh, was just so much calmer in what he just said than the way he wrote this on The Verge yesterday that it's almost unrecognizable. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to bring I it down. mean the tone what? and the wording he used yesterday, all of which, by the way, made considerable sense, but the tone <laughs> and the wording was something you would reserve for, I don't know, I don't know, wars or- I just said or, it was stupid. I say things are stupid all the time. No, that's like, you that said just it was user hostile. hostile. You said used words like shitty and childish and- <laughs> I mean, there were a bunch of choice words in there. And, yeah. um, and let me just – I stand by that. It was a rant. And, it was a, a, a rant. Uh, Absolutely. There are people listening to this uh, who may remember that I have authored my share of similar rants. I mean you gave – you mentioned that lead I wrote and mm -hmm. that was my – I mean I, I have devoted entire columns even, even in the Wall Street Journal years ago – to ranting about something I thought was just flatly uh, outrageous and wrong in the in the tech business. Uh, not only that, but when Apple did get rid of the floppy drive, even though there it. was an industry standard uh, other kind of storage thing that they did have in the computer, which was a CD-ROM drive, I don't think it was writable on the very first iMac, but I could be wrong. But um, – but it was a you know it, there was something else out there. Uh, I excoriated them for it, and I can remember. I got it here. I can read it for you. Okay, I'm at a Walt's iMac review, July thirtieth, nineteen ninety eight. 
The one glaring design mistake in the iMac is that Apple decided to build it without a floppy disk drive. Indeed, without any removable storage medium at all. That makes it very hard to transfer files between the iMac and any other computer. Apple argues that the floppy disk is a dying product, too small at 1.44 megabytes to hold many of today's bulky data files. The company says it expects most iMac buyers to add higher capacity drives, such as iOmega's 100 megabyte zip drive. I had that, didn't you? I had that too. Just the idea that Apple is relying on the zip drive to do anything except fail was amazing. Uh, or to transfer fi- files via email. But I strongly disagree. Many families today still rely on plain old floppies to back up or share small word processing graphics files with coworkers or schoolmates. That That is the argument to keep the floppy drive. Well stated, totally there. Right. I will say that Apple was making a bet on a transition away from the floppy. Uh, the I think Gru- John Gruber, who I respect very much and is a great writer, and I, I was actually expecting him to make the counter-argument when I wrote my piece, and he delivered in spades. It's, it's well done. His headline was, the headphone jack is the new floppy drive, right? So he's yeah. saying, so, it's obvious why you'd move away from the floppy. It's obvious why you'd move away from the CD drive. It's similarly obvious why you'd move away from the headphone jack. I just don't think that they line up in the same way at all. Okay, so two things. First of all, it should be clear by now that I'm not the person who uh, is going to chastise you for ranting, and I'm not the person <laughs> who's going to. Uh, I, I mean, I might, like I say, I might have waited till I saw what they did, but whatever. If you want to yeah. rant on the rumors, that's fine with me. Uh, and uh, number two, I can see the difference here that you're tr- the, mm-hmm. the, 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 that you're trying to make that there isn't a widely accepted. It's not like they w- they're going from the three-and-a-half-millimeter audio jack to some new kind of audio jack that everyone else will have, and you can feel comfortable picking whatever headphones or earbuds you buy or or microphones, external microphones, and there'll be a rough year of transition, but um, we're moving from three-and-a-half-millimeter to, I don't know, Patel jacks or something, you know, <laughs> yeah. that the that the industry's accepted. Your point is, and by the way, for listening to this, I have set up a patent licensing <laughs> corporation, uh, and I will be uh, yeah. licensing it widely. Yeah, and I'll blow the lid off it. <laughs> uh, it's my next column, blowing the lid off the Patel rant. Was the Patel rant really about audio? Um, but so I see your point. And you know I'm the wrong, I'm not the right guy. I'm not going to sit here and say Apple's right on the floppy disk. Steve Jobs did not like what I wrote, and when Steve Jobs didn't like what you wrote, you tent you sometimes you heard about it, and, or usually yeah. did, and I did, and we argued about it, and it, basically it came down to, in the end, I don't know how long the argument took, but it was it was a substantial argument, and I said I can see you doing this. But I don't think the, pub, the, the your users are ready yet. I think they still are relying on this. There's a lot of sneaker net going on, uh, mm-hmm. which is a term in the old days, which meant that's how you moved files. Because remember, we didn't have the kind of – a lot of email services wouldn't even let you use an attachment uh, more than like a megabyte or something. It was ridiculously small. And cloud, you know, things like Dropbox and all that stuff wasn't developed yet in any serious way. So what people did was they – sometimes they've been uh, snail mailed floppy disks to each other uh, right. with data and – or they walked – the sneaker net term came from walking across the office and saying, OK, here's mm-hmm. the presentation. It's, you can even – you can see it in old TV shows and movies, people doing yeah. that. 
Um, and I, I argued that they were doing this too early, at least a year or two too early. And he just, uh, you know, he was always willing to cut off, uh, as you said earlier, to cut off a previous um, IO when he thought it had outlived its usefulness and that it was time to move on to something else. But I do think there are lots of issues I can imagine if the rumors are right with this head fund thing. First of all, it's going to immediately obsolete a bunch of investment that people have, have made uh, in mm-hmm. in earbuds and headphones, some, sometimes very expensive headphones. And secondly, what if I want to charge my phone and still use my, my uh, earbuds at the same time? I mean maybe yeah. they'll have some – pass-through thing built into the, the the headphone connector. I don't – that's one reason I would – if I were writing the rant, I might have waited till I actually saw the thing. But I think your point on the principle is, is right. And um, – Well, but what I'll say about floppy drives and the reason I think it's so different – okay, fine. You're going to kill floppy drives. You're going to you know, put out a big new product, the iMac, and say floppy drives are dead. They did that in 1998. Apple kept selling – pro computers and laptops and all sorts of stuff with floppy drives for like three more years, right? Like if you were, if you wanted to make a different choice, Apple was there. If you bought an iMac and you needed to use a floppy drive, you just bought a floppy drive and you put it on your desk and sat there and maybe it wasn't built in. Oh yeah, but but you you had to pay a hundred bucks or something for that. Right, but that, fine, but then you're done, right? You're not- I mean, in fact, if you go on in that column, I think I actually said exactly- how much more this computer was going to cost you now because they took it out and you were going to have to buy it as an external item. Yeah, but you could buy it. I mean, I, I, we had an iMac and we bought the floppy drive. And then we bought a zip drive, which promptly failed. And we bought 90 more zip drives and all of them <laughs> promptly failed. Um, what an amazing technology that everyone sort of remembers fondly and then recalls that they all promptly failed. Um, it was a very good technology. Technology. I think yeah. the QA on it wasn't so good. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a click of death, was that what it was called? I also had an iOmega Jazz Drive, which was... Oh, my God. Just, uh, that, Come like, on. Literally just not... What was the that other was one? That was like the Dodge Dart of zip drives. Are you uh, serious? Was it the, the, what was the other one? PsyQuest? Yeah, they the were, those Bernoulli were all copies drive. of the zip drive, which wasn't that good to begin with. Yeah, but there are all these like <laughs> other competitors to the floppy. Oh, floppy my God, yeah, Eli. Just, Bernoulli, that was the one, and uh, Bernoulli. the whole principle. Oh Bernoulli, yeah. and, uh, the which worked the, on the principles of liquid surface yeah, tension the, or something. The edges of the disc would fly up in the air. <laughs> yeah, this is all. This is exciting. This is the height of tech excitement. Oh my god! Uh, but my my point is, even if even if you fine, it's more expensive. And uh, the big argument with the headphone jack is just pay the money, buy the adapter, you'll have it. The difference is, and this is a huge difference that's worth considering. When you said, suck it up, buy the floppy drive, okay, you could do that. You plugged it in. Then it was a permanent fixture of an immobile computer that right. was never going anywhere else and magically had become compatible with every other computer that had a floppy drive. Even though it had when, a handle, but you're right. Even though, even though it was still not going anywhere. Suck it up by an adapter for a mobile device, particularly a device as constantly mobile as your phone and as critical the primary computing device for millions of people to say it needs an adapter to be compatible with the world's assumptions about audio is radically different than the floppy drive, especially when the argument you're making to Steve Jobs is, well, you're a year too early. And he says, ah, we're making the bet be bold. 
there's something new on the horizon, which is either local networks or the internet or SideQuest drives or whatever the hell they were called. You knew that there was a better, well, it was, bigger, it was, it was, it was, more write, important it was writable CDs. That's what he it was right. But they, that's what he whatever it was, right. There was, there was a better, higher capacity storage, you know, yeah. more reliable yeah. medium on the horizon that you could go to. Right. There is not that thing. It is impossible to truly articulate a benefit for leaving the headphone jack. Because what you're saying is, well, it'll be better for audiophiles and regular people can buy this adapter. Or it'll be better, or I don't know, it'll be better because digital audio is better. All right, so let me be a devil's stop. advocate. It'll be better because the phone is thinner. Let, it's still not as good as what you're losing. Let, let me be devil's advocate for a minute. Because basically I do agree with you. And by the way, I have for many, many years been the least favorite tech writer of audiophiles. In <laughs> fact, I'm not making this up. And there was a magazine uh, called Stereo Review, which is a pretty influential audiophile magazine. Oh, I used to have a subscription. I this think, is where my, my tech nerdiness now, came from. Now, I want to be careful. Uh, I think that was the magazine. They had a columnist whose name I can no longer recall who actually wrote multiple columns attacking me personally. <laughs> For wait, why am I reading your old columns on this? Show? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, this guy, and then he and I got into it in like an email. I mean, this is if only Twitter had existed in those days, but um, he hated the fact that I was enthusiastic about MP3s and about the iPod. But every time I would review them, I would merely say it sounded great or something like that. Or if I reviewed something that was bad, I would say, oh, it sounded distorted or scratchy. He was pissed that I was not paying attention to the audio. You know, is it bassy? Whatever that means. I still don't know what that means. Was it, uh, <laughs> you know, what kind, did? how did it render the middle notes? I, I, I just don't know. Um, so I I just want to be a devil's advocate on, on, your, on your audio yeah. point. Number one... Isn't it inevitable that as technology moves forward, we're going to have other kinds of ports that will serve this function but allow additional things like, for instance, health monitoring through the ears or something like that that will be all digital, which was, by the way, the original argument for the lightning port over the 30-pin thing. That's that's one so, – so aren't you really a Luddite, Neelai Patel? That's me. That's me. It's you. And yeah. yeah, it's painful, but you know, we have to move on. What's your what's your argument? What's your answer? I that? so I made a joke on Twitter yesterday, which I saw that you faved, which was <laughs> th that's the argument of people who would buy new radios because it said digital on the front in big letters. Right. right. I mean, it's great that it's more digital. It's wonderful. Is it perceptible to the consumer? Is it is it actually a benefit? I would argue that consumers have always valued con convenience of audio access over quality of audio, right? So, that, that, I mean, and that's a frame. It's There are many frames to look at the music industry, but that is one of my favorites. Every time there's a format shift, the more convenient format tends to win. And the only time that that, the only, the only time a real counter narrative has emerged is like the current resurgence of vinyl against the streaming service and there's all kinds of reasons why but generally we've picked mp3s even though they sounded worse than cds because mp3s are more convenient we're picking streaming services over mp3s even though sometimes the streaming services sound worse particularly over mobile connections and a lot of people just pick youtube which sounds awful 
because it's super convenient. Okay, so so, to- so it, it shows that like the audio quality thing, I do think is just it's a red herring. The other part, and uh, I was actually tweeting with Corey Doctoro from Boing Boing today, who's a lot smarter than me about this stuff. Once you make a connection digital, you allow other people to lock it down in various ways. And you restrict the amount of innovation that's available, particularly with media. So the headphone port is not locked down. So a company like Square could show up, bypass the licensing restrictions of made for iPhone, all of Apple's programs, and putting a lightning authenticated chip in there. And they could just build the Square Reader, and they built a business off of it. There's a million examples of things like this, where suddenly if you make it an authenticated digital connection... You are it's like necessarily those weird, restricting those weird rules about HDMI cables on TVs, right? Right. And now, in streaming services in particular, are super. We don't think about it ever, but they are totally encumbered with DRM. So you're going to end up, even if you buy an adapter, you have an adapter, you find one, you're going to end up and plugging one in. Your phone's going to say this isn't supported, and your your audio is locked down. I I, I just think that's. Ba- I don't think there's that's enough not Apple benefit. per se. That's that's, the, that's just it's the built world, into the right? licenses it's, of the media companies. And, All right, but the so lightning port itself is authenticated. To prove so you can't, to, you you have to get Apple's permission to plug into that jack. So all of a sudden, the one thing on the iPhone where you don't need Apple's permission, the one why because obviously there's Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and whatever, but the one thing on the phone where you can plug it in, you have you have to have Apple's permission to do it correctly. If the that rumors changes are right, the nature of the phone. Huh? If, the, if the rumors are right and you haven't ranted too early, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, that's tr- so, fair, fair, fair. So to prove that I am really just being a devil's advocate, I will tell you who else agrees with you about yeah. your principal point that consumers have always gone for convenience over quality and audio, and the the person who agreed with you on that and said so publicly to me in an, an onstage interview was Steve Jobs. He yeah. said in talking about the success of the iPod and of MP3 that he was a little surprised because it was the first time he could remember in, in the world of media consumers opting against better quality in favor of portability and convenience and that it, it – puzzled him because he was the kind of a guy who probably was an audiophile and so you're right with steve jobs on this yeah uh, i mean it, it, on this it, question it, and and i'm obviously hated by all audiophiles so i'm with <laughs> you on, on it so i'm the kind of person who like i love stereo gear i love i mean i literally subscribe to stereo review and i wish i remembered these angry rants about you because i would dig up these old copies in my parents basement um but I love that stuff. I think that there's an enormous amount of innovation in making things sound better across the board, right? But that innovation is enabled by the fact that you can buy stereo components from multiple vendors and mostly plug them into each other and they all work together. And that's mostly enabled by, in the old days, analog connections that were relatively standardized. And now a bunch of people sort of agreeing that optical connections to HDMI should work. But when we moved to HDMI as the main standard, a bunch of stuff got locked out. Uh, you can't, it's really hard to make, say, a cable box, right? Like cable box innovation is basically dead. We've talked about it in the show many times. Yep. Um, because you got to get someone's permission to do it, right? You, to, uh, you uh, can't... Look, I, I, I agree with you. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm just being a devil's advocate, which leads no, me a, to my second devil's advocate point. Oh, yeah. There's more. I forgot that this was this a is in just quiz format. One more. This is like high school debate club. Your second <laughs> it, proposition, sir. That's the new name of the podcast, High School Debate <laughs> Club. High School Debate Club. <laughs> <laughs> but I think if we rename it, Mr. Robot will not sponsor it. Um, yeah, I think it'll be over. High School Debate Club. Uh, the second point is just that unlike in the previous examples you cited – and which I cited about Apple, you know, and I.O., which we should point out, by the way, even if I objected to it or you objected to it or it was too early, generally they've made the right call. They made the – I mean this isn't a physical thing, but they made the right call on, on Flash and on some other things that were very controversial. But even if – even if it's you're, you're going to be mad at Apple, as we said earlier, they're not even the first ones doing this. They're not. There are there are there are two other. One is a Moto phone, flagship phone, and the other is I can't even remember who it is, Luft phone or some crazy. Who is it? Uh, the it's the Leco phone. Leco, the Echo. sorry, uh, and the Moto. Um, it's not the Moto X. It's the new the Moto Z. Phone. The Z. The Moto, the Moto Z. Z. That's what. And he was a letter. Yeah. yeah, and Leco, of course, widely known. <laughs> Widely known. Everyone did. Sold the, the Leco announcement day. Shut down Everywhere the phones are sold, you can buy Leco. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, something is going on in the industry as a whole. I mean, often Apple leads some dramatic thing like this, or in this case, given the nature of the phone market, it could be Samsung that might have led. But they they didn't lead. I don't think... That Lenovo, which owns Moto, just you know, read these rumor blogs about Apple and decided to design this Moto Z without a, a, a standard audio jack. I don't think that's what happened. So some, something's going on. I don't know what it is. I don't know what is the reasoning in these guys' minds for doing this. If it was the lockdown thing, which Apple tends to like – and it was only Apple doing it, you could accuse them of liking the lockdown and whatever. But it's not. These guys are making Android phones and they're leaving out the audio jack. So what's the deal? What say you, sir? Uh, it's how high school debate club works. What say very, you, sir? It's very renaissance. It is, yes. Uh, so Vlad Saboff has been digging into this. He's written a bunch of stuff. He should, it's, I encourage everybody to read it because – you're right. There is industry pressure sort of in this direction. I think that there is a lot of interest in making the phones thinner for better or worse. And there's, again, you know, we've been talking about trade-offs on this entire show. There's trade-offs there. Then there is making the screens bigger and basically making a sheet of a phone into a sheet of glass, uh, which is interesting, desirable. And then there is just generally removing components from the phone and putting them elsewhere. The difference is, and I think this is, critically important is that at least the android guys are going to the usb standard so it's a standard it's everyone can participate in it it's open it's going to be all kinds of places the industry can coalesce around it apple's going to lightning presumably if the rumors are true which is just not going to be compatible so in a world where 
okay, we, the industry has decided. Headphone jacks are gone, and we're replacing it with digital audio, and it's all going to run over USB Type-C. Then exactly what you proposed earlier, I think, would be right. We'd, there'd be a rough few years of transition, and then we'd wake up tomorrow, and suddenly, instead of headphone jacks, would be USB-C connectors everywhere. I just don't... When you fragment the two biggest platforms in such a fundamental way, it's just going to be a mess. And it's just more and more Apple lock-in, which I don't think people particularly love. This is our first actual disagreement on this point, um, and it is this lightning issue. Um, as far as I know, it is mm -hmm. true to say that although Android is overwhelmingly, you know, massively, overwhelmingly the most popular software platform for phones in the world, as an individual phone – the iPhone is the most popular phone. Uh, there are, I know there are multiple models of it, and we can get into various definition questions, but it is the most popular phone. There's more actively used iPhones uh, probably than any other particular model, and that's partly because Apple only makes this thing called the iPhone, and Samsung has 70 or 80 different models, and you know the Chinese guys have multiple models and whatever. So the fact that they use a connector by default makes it something people are used to and a lot of third-party companies make things that plug into it and we're, that, we're over that. I mean you could – I was at the car wash over the weekend waiting to pay and they had a variety of gadgets and gizmos and chargers and things and they all had lightning connectors and yep. micro – USB connectors uh, on them. So, I, you know, I, I don't think – it's not like Apple is at the at the one and the same time dropping the three-and-a-half millimeter yeah, audio jack about, and bringing out some strange, weird, new thing. Yeah, but, but I think that's, that's one of your weaker arguments No, here. but I, I just think about all the time I sit down on a plane and, like, that to me is the – you're in a, like this like physically constrained environment. There's not a lot of power around you. That's often where I plug in my phone and I listen to it, or I plug in my phone and I take out my headphones and I watch the seat back, whatever, watch a movie. Mm -hmm. Both of those things that I commonly do now, which are relatively convenient, get harder in this world. I can't charge my phone on the flight to San Francisco and listen to music without a dongle of some kind. But I, I, Eli, I but so that, well, that's I, one. I agree. And is the are my headphones then going to be compatible with the seat back? And if I have an Android phone, is it going to be incompatible because they didn't build in the other connector? If I have an iPhone, is it going to be compatible because they no, built they'll in... build in both and they'll just have well, to so suck why, it up. So now we now we're just making everything else more expensive. But, every, like but how the, much is the I, price of my airline ticket going to go up? The most, refit all the the most popular phone uses this connector, and we've already got a zillion things, including what I could buy at the car wash. That have both. It's just there, and it's not the end of the world. Right. So now all the now when they come around the aisles, then they they say, "Here, do you want some earbuds?" They're gonna you're gonna have to use their crappy earbuds. Or well, I, I never get seats. You gotta give. I never get seats on United where they come around <laughs> and offer anything. Wait, we've we've got twenty minutes left. I, we're just gonna rant about United for the rest of the time. <laughs> I don't think we do have twenty minutes. We don't. Left. We don't. But I'm I'm saying um, my point is. Although I would creates, love a United episode of Control Wall to lead. We can probably <laughs> we we can probably make that happen. Just the experience. You should just review United head to toe. Um, 
the experience of flying coach on United. Uh, my point is Apple in making this choice is creating an enormous set of unpredictable externalities. Whether the, the airlines solve the headphone thing, whether third parties in the car wash are selling new kinds of things, whether case designs, have, whatever it is, whether DRM takes over the world and all none of us can do it. I don't know what they are. But many more of them are negative and expensive than I have heard positives articulated. And so it, if you've been listening, Walt and I have been talking about the timing of a piece like this for basically the entire episode. Uh, the reason that I would write it early, the reason I wanted to write it yesterday, is I think if Apple's going to make this change, then they need to definitely articulate right. in crystal clear ways the benefits that outweigh the obvious negative externalities. You have performed a journalistic service by making it clearer to them than it might otherwise have been that they better have a good explanation for the positive benefits that right. users receive if, in fact, they do what they are rumored to be doing. Right. And I would – I think that is a, one of the functions of a, of, a, of a journalist. But you gave a couple of interesting arguments before about screen size and you know maybe putting more battery in or whatever – to, yeah, that if, that if you, that I've heard two different arguments uh, about the value of getting uh, of what you gain by getting rid of the standard audio jack. One has to do with thickness, and one mm -hmm. has to do with depth. I think yep. depth is the key one. Um, you have to have a little channel in that phone that goes a certain distance in, because remember, many of the functions that have been added to the audio jack over the years, and especially on phones, which allow you to pause, allow you to talk to uh, things like Siri, allow you to uh, skip back and forth, they have required that thing, that, that plug to get a little bit longer so that there are different positions on it that electronically send those signals. So that's part of my timing. I get your timing argument as you're setting it up now and mm -hmm. you want to you wanna hear it. My timing argument would just be I want to see what trade-offs there are here. Right. Uh, and I, do I just do they have a good do they have a good trade-off just like in the just to bring it full circle just like in this HP review yep. uh, that we started uh, uh, the thing with that I wrote today is they made a trade-off to make a laptop they could call the world's thinnest really so they could get some of the business that um, Apple has been getting. Even though they sell more laptops, Apple probably makes more money on a smaller number is my guess. So mm -hmm. by, by saying we're thinner, uh, they made some trade-offs and you can decide for yourself. You can read my review, maybe somebody else's review who differs with me, although I, I, haven't, I haven't seen that, and say – well, this I love this. I mean, this thinness is more so important to me that I don't care if the fans blow hot air all the time, and I don't I don't care if the battery life isn't as good as some other computer. I'm going for this, and, right. and you see it. And and right now, um, Apple has hasn't even confirmed they're doing this, but that they certainly haven't been able to say this is what we gained from it. So, though uh, that's right. The and the argument that I that has so far been articulated is. Basically, Apple has been historically good at knowing when to move on from I.O., and if not now, when? And I don't think those are good. That's not enough. No, I don't think they are either. <laughs> right. I don't think to... they are either. And, and, yeah. 
And as you, we pointed out earlier, I have on occasion the floppy disk, and I think there was another one. I think the optical drive also. I thought they were their timing was too early, but you right. know it did it, it, it again. I'm the journalist. They're the company. You're the journalist. They're the company. We have yeah, our. They're going to make their decisions. Our points of view, and they're going to make their decisions. And I, but the thing, uh, you know, the, the storage one keeps coming back. You know, the floppy optical, all the stuff. The way the market developed around those choices was not predictable to Apple. I don't think Apple was ready for a company like Dropbox to come in and say, we're, we're actually going to solve cloud storage in this way. Oh, clearly not. Right? It, that's really important. The way that you get those kind of unpredictable solutions is by letting people innovate somewhat freely. And you're able to do that on the Mac because the Mac isn't closed down. You're able to do that on the iPhone in, in many ways because, you know, even though Apple controls the store... It isn't closed down. I mean, them. I hate the I hate the application that word closed to the iPhone. If, the, if, you, if you have a platform or a de- device on which 2 million third-party apps can run, it's not yeah. closed. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's technically, right, you have to have Apple's permission to put an app on the store. And I got how many pieces of hardware run on it, by the way. Uh, right, but I'm saying in one way or another, you need Apple's permission to put an app on their store. Whether that permission is freely granted or not, it, you still need it. Yeah, you do. And by the way, to connect. By to the this- way, one way or another, you need Google's permission on sure. Google Play. They, you don't need it in advance, but you need to keep in their in their sort of goodwill because they pull apps. They pull yep. at right now during this podcast. Google is pulling some app. They're not announcing Somebody- it. But they're pulling it for some reason. They, you know, hate, yeah. malware, something. They're pulling it. And my point is, and you, you, are, you absolutely need permission to connect to the lightning plug. The headphone jack on the iPhone is literally one of the few ways to interact with that device that does not require Apple's permission. To get rid of that and to get rid of what it symbolizes and what it enables requires a very good argument in terms of real consumer benefit. That's it. And well, I, we, I just have We will heard await it. that. Yeah, and I wait. don't know, you know, I uh, my last thought mm-hmm. to our loyal listeners here, my last thought is Nilay Patel was being much gentler in his <laughs> language here. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, he was he was at a much lower boiling point today in this podcast than <laughs> Than either in his original piece or in his slugfests on Twitter all day yesterday. So <laughs> if you want to have some fun, go back and read it. And to his credit, he, he, he continues, as far as I know, to employ Vlad, who disagrees with him, <laughs> and even linked to Vlad. And he uh, – but he was really – I mean, you know, the language was hot – Hot, hot, hot. Yes. Look, if you, if you, the only way to make tech standards arguments interesting is to actually make them arguments. What? Right. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said tech standards and won't post. Tech standards. We're done. We're done. Control here. Walt Elite, the podcast for tech standards <laughs> arguments. Let's get in some real open source nitty gritty, Walt. You yeah. Um, everyone loves that. Okay. That is a show. As Walt has noted, it's we're we're way over time here. Uh, thank you for listening. 
There's so much other stuff to listen to you that is at a much lower boiling point, does not require tech standards. There's What's Tech with Chris Plant, which is just continuously excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Lauren Good has a great show, uh, Too Embarrassed to Ask. I'm sure she's going to bring up headphones on that show one of these days. Kara Swisher has Recode Decode, which is wonderful. Peter Kafka has uh, Recode Media, which is literally my favorite because he is so mean to media executives. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, and then there's Virgie SP with Emily Sheeta and Lisa Pato, which, which, by the way, is really interesting. I mean, yeah. seriously, can I just take a second? I mean, you got enter- you got a, uh, two women, really mm-hmm. smart, one really smart about entertainment, one really smart about science, and I, I can't think of a podcast which combines those things. I mean, it's, yeah. inc- it's incredible. It's a it's a really great show, and it it is one of those things. It's like very Virgie in its way. It's 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 smashing two worlds together and realizing that they're much more similar than you might think. So listen to all that stuff, uh, and then the Vergecast on Thursdays, uh, hosted by me. And I'm sure we're gonna. I'm sure Dieter oh and I are gonna God. yell about headphones on the Vergecast this week. <laughs> so. Oh my God! I mean, I like I like the the few times I've been able to go on the Vergecast, and I've listened to the Vergecast, but. Can, can we can we keep that headphones part? Maybe some news will happen, and you <laughs> won't have. Well, you won't well, actually, have as much time as we have just spent on this podcast discussing headphone jacks. Well, I'll give a sneak peek. Uh, the reason that we took the field trip to Best Buy, so I wanted the Sugar Breaker folks on. We're going to talk about some gadgets at large. I think we might have uh, the legendary Nicola Fumos going might make a return this week. So listen to Vergecast; it's great. Uh, and Walt and I will be back next week. All right, we will. that's it.